Tom Bernard Show with Alex Brandt Bernard Rasmussen, co-host Catherine Brandt, David Schrader, Andy Brandt Bernard, Cassie Schrader, and we'll be right back with our two Tom Bernard Show. Walzer Automotive Group started in Minnesota over 60 years ago. Most people know something about the Walzer way. Upfront, no haggle pricing, work with one person from start to finish, or the free lifetime powertrain warranty on most vehicles sold in Minnesota. What you might not know is they are the only automotive group that is a member of the Keystone Club. They join such great Minnesota companies as General Mills, Target, Cargill, the Twins, Wolves, and Vikings in pledging 5% pre-tax profits to local charities. It's a great example of their core values. Do the right thing, display positive energy, be open-minded, and lead by example. So if you're in the market for a new or used car, check out walzer.com or stop into one of their dealerships. Please don't say, tell them Tommy sent you, because it sounds fake, and I hate it. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? At, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Oh, she's playing ACDC. I love this. She knows she's being judged by her music picks. <laughs> you ever tried to play a guitar like this? No. Oh, all the time. It's not easy. I'm just here to tell you. I Never. learned like G, F, E, C, and D, and then my fingers got sore, and I quit And you gave it up? I learned the intro to Day Tripper. I had no idea what I learned. We have learned that we have good chemistry now in the studio, so that's good. Now? No. Now that Melina's gone. Yeah, another That anchor. Get rid of that Melina. <laughs> Ruined that everything for so many years. This weird chemistry. We never could figure it out. I can't <laughs> even imagine him wandering around Brooklyn. I can't even imagine that. But Brooklyn's changed a lot since we lived there. Well, yeah, he's, he's not the tiny... Italian that they no. have out in Brooklyn. No, he's not. He's not going to. That's for sure. He's going to stand out. A six foot four, two hundred and thirty pound Sicilian man who's in very good shape. That's gonna. It's gonna be interesting. Yeah. Let me just tell you something. I know. And Joe Pesci. Got a lot of Joe Pesci's in New York. I will. Tell he you lost one hundred and thirty pounds since. He weighed three sixty in under. Joe a, Pesci did? in under a He'd year. Have to die. I want to say. Um, yeah. I think that you might be right about that. Down 140 pounds since 6117. 140? <laughs> wow, cocaine's a hell of a drug. A cocaine's a hell of a drug. And he, well, all he, he eats is cauliflower he, rice. He needs so. some new shirts, too. Yes. He's he needs wearing his clothes. old shirts. <laughs> he oh, and they're just hanging on him like a dress. Apparently. He, he does weighs not weigh 170. <laughs> 37. No, he lost 140 pounds. Oh, okay, so he's 230. 230. But I didn't know Whatever. he weighed 370. I didn't that know he did wrong. either. Really? That's, That's way what he said. high. That's what he well, said. Why would he lie about how much he weighed? Yeah. Nobody does that. <laughs> they all, I mean, not at the top end. Or wait a minute. Although he was on an episode <laughs> of My 370-Pound Life. So, no, but he, uh, he, you know, he, he literally just huh? put shoulder to the wheel and got it done. Molina will be very successful once he believes in himself. Yeah. He will do very, very well. He, he just, you know, it's hard. When, uh, you know, dad hits the road and then 
you know, he got through college and things were going well, and his mother died. So, once he believes he can do it, he he can do anything. He'll be he'll be able to do anything. Hopefully, the change couple, of scenery will help. I him. know a couple guys like that. Like one of Dan's good friends is like that. Like he just doesn't think that he's yep. worth enough, and yep. he just kind of settles. And I'm like, he could not be nicer. He's smart, and it's like the same thing as Mike Molina. It's like so. It's like Dave and I make up for it, though. Yeah, we think we're a lot better. Than we are. <laughs> I know I'm a lot better than you. <laughs> Great that's I all. Am. That's all that matters. And so the oh, oh, here we go. <laughs> See, Tim Lammers. I agree with him. I get in trouble. Hey, I, I think I'm better than both of you guys combined. Oh, there you <laughs> go. So there, now we're talking. Andy, you can jump into at any point. It doesn't matter. It all works out in the end. <laughs> Meanwhile, so, radio guys are the most. Unconfident bunch of uh, goofballs oh, on planet Earth. There's no doubt about it. Either that, or they're either incompetent or they're crazy. There's a lot of crazy people in radio, man. I'll tell you. Exhibit A. Uh, exhibit A. Yeah, that would be me. I'm, but there are honestly, they're just like that's what you really think is reality. Calm down. You mean you mean the seven ten party chicken? <laughs> <laughs> the snake, the seven ten party chicken. That's exactly right. But I think a lot of these guys just throw on a a, a uniform to go on the air. They do, right? Yeah, well, you yeah. do as well. You're not that Tom Bernard all the time. That's no, a much bigger version of right. You have yeah, to be kind true. of a. First of all, people don't understand when you're blowing up on the on the radio. A lot of times, you've got to be bigger and you've got to be doing this because right. if you talk like this, all of a sudden it sounds like NPR. And although yeah, this is a conversational yep. tone we'd have in person <laughs> yep. on the radio, it sounds like we're talking about sweaty uh, balls. <laughs> I but don't go that. calling in. Don't go calling NPR that. Oh, welfare uh, radio. You know, we get in trouble again. Right. Oh, they still get angry. <laughs> I, and again, I did not invent that. A listener to the KQRS Morning Show invented that that whole name. I just thought it was hilarious. But everybody's offended. It's a joke. The guy made up. Relax. Calm down. But when you listen to guys like Hannity and Rush yeah, and yeah. Alex Jones, you uh, know they can't really be like that in real life, God, right? No, there's, there's no, no way. way. There's no way they could be like that. In At least real we life. hope. Yeah, yeah, you would hope they're not like that in real life. No, yeah, all that stuff, all of that, you know, way over the top. But I see it. You know, the same was true of Johnny Carson. Right. But he could make it sound like every man, even though because he was so laid back. And a lot of people I said, see, here's the two takes, because I never met Johnny Carson. He was one of my heroes, but I never met him. But I heard from many people, like Louis Anderson, that he was that Johnny Carson was a very shy man. So that actually was a much bigger version of him you saw on TV, that he wasn't anywhere near that outgoing in real life. And the other uh, people tell me he is a much bigger version of Johnny because he's one of the most arrogant human beings I've ever met. Mm. So I don't know which was true. I suppose it could all be true. Well, people uh, oftentimes they'll accept or, or expect that you're being arrogant because you're quiet, you're more reserved. Yeah, true. When they don't realize that it's the shy. You know, when the lights go on, yeah. boom, I can talk to anybody. Yep. You put me in a room one-on-one, not so much. It's yeah. it's like I'm struggling to make eye contact or carry on a yep. conversation, but I can carry it on with a large group of people. And I think that's what... You know, I just got done listening to Ed McMahon's book about Johnny. Oh, yeah. And it's a yeah. great book, but you hear a lot of that. And I think it was a lot that Johnny put on a, a costume, went out and played Johnny yeah. Carson every night, and then yeah, went absolutely. home and was a, a totally different guy. I, 100% true. 100%. I think that's fascinating. Well, well, I, I remember Louis Anderson telling me that he's been on the stage for so long that he can be deathly ill, yeah. food poisoning ill. And go out on stage, and it just all goes away, and yep. it's like somebody turns on that light switch, and he's absolutely Until, fine for two hours, right. and then as soon as it's done, he's just back to feeling yep. terrible again. Yeah, that's true. Well, don't it's you do like with, some sort of, he, he said it was like being a trained monkey. His words, not mine. I get, I get blinding migraines. I mean, like, I can't stand sometimes they hit oh, so hard. And I've had this. to go on the air to do the radio show. Ooh. And I'll sit there, I'll pull down the lights, and I'll... I'll pull the microphone in and as soon as the lights are up i'm like hey welcome back this is and you know got, yeah. you've got to have the energy and i do it and it'll work but you know and then as soon as the show's over i need to crash and that's the end of it but it's like that moment you're that that natural you endorphin right. hits yeah, you, and, and you just kind of do what you have to do to get through it hmm. no the, the exact opposite is true of tim lammers he's a total jerk in real life <laughs> But he comes across Absolutely, as this nice guy man. on the radio. Oh. You know, he comes as a really nice, no, guy, nice guy. I just thought it was weird that he keeps asking me to kneel in front of him so he can put his feet up at the movies. <laughs> <laughs> he 
this just feels weird, Tim. And he's like, shut up, Schrader. When Hit I want it, your Schrader. opinion, I'll give it to you. Hit it. I like it. You know, it's interesting, not to change the subject, but that there's going to be like a, a, a treatment now for um, migraines. Did you read about that? Ooh. Well, there are. That, what do you mean? But, but like a, an EpiPen sort of treatment, but it's really expensive. Of and course. this is what I laugh about. They said, and uh, people have experienced one less migraine a month. Well, how many do you have a month, and is one less really going to make that much of a difference? I, would, I, I don't know. I got three or so until I got on propranolol, and now I have probably one. So It's well worth it when you get the blinders, you know? Yeah. Uh, but do you see, like... But propranolol I, is cheap, like, so, I mean... But what are the side effects? That's what always worries me. Is Propranolol, at, nothing. Really? Yeah. Oh, maybe I take imipramine. Not imipramine. What do I take? Imitrex? Imitrex. Um, yeah. See, now that affects blood pressure stuff, so I had to avoid that. Oh, it does? I, that, that's what I, they told me back then, right. unless they've changed oh, it. I have good blood pressure, so it doesn't matter, I guess. But that stuff is a miracle. Well, I'm wondering what this new stuff is, That why they're making a big deal about it then. But well, it just I heard about it last week. Well, it's surprising. And, and if you say there's something already, I mean, what what's different about this well, stuff? Well, because, uh, because something can work for somebody for years and years and years, and then all of a sudden it'll stop working for them. And there's all kinds of different kinds of migraines, and uh, there's people that... How about the people that get Suffered. Botox? You get uh, injections. A lot of people scalp. say that works, yeah. I just don't think we still know enough about it. When you're injecting <laughs> poison off. into yeah. a body, yeah. I think there might be something you Doug might want to regret. Doug wife uses it. They right. put it in their shoulders so that they don't get the, the muscle tension that starts yeah. the migraine in the first place. Oh, really? so I guess it works great for her. Botox injections, no. are, there's almost no risk. And I'm going to send Cassie. I have Cassie on um, Messenger here. I'm going to send her the link. It just uh, there's an article that just came out four hours ago. It's called A I M O V I G. Aim Vig first. Aim O Vig first uh, <laughs> treatment approved by the FDA. I'm O Vig. I'm a Vig fan. <laughs> I, I don't know. Vig. I don't know. What, however the hell you pronounce it, but Aim-O-Vig, I don't know. Again, I'm like... wondering. What's different about this as opposed to everything else? What do you got, Andy? Uh, well, it's so brand new that it's uh, there's you, not a whole lot. You'd just lot. be shocked how many people have migraines. It's, it's yeah, amazing. I think a lot of, I think a lot of it is suffer. foodborne, though. You think so? Really? Yeah, I do. I'm certain my wife has been on me about it for a while, and she's Uh-oh. like, Honey, it's what you're putting into your body that's doing this. And I'm like, You're crazy. You don't of course talk I like that. Shut up and like pass that. me a Twinkie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see you telling Cassie to shut up. I got to suffer go through this. Huge. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> that would go she's over. She's four real foot bad. two, but carries a big stick. I could be funny. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't get uh, migraines because I just scream. That's much better mm-hmm. for me. $6,900 a year for the new one. How much? 6900 a year. Woo. Yeah. So, you so, know, 500, I mean, yeah. 590 bucks a month. Try Imitrex and Propranolol first because well, they are my, much, much cheaper. Yeah, my Imitrex is fairly cheap, but they'll only give you nine a month. Oh, really? Yeah. I split mine, so I've got 18. I rarely go through that many, but every once in a while. I'll oh, it's, a an on, it's an uh, on-demand thing? Because propranolol is you take it every day. No, I take it when I feel a headache coming on. Oh, okay. if I don't, so yours if I don't... is pre- preventative. Yes. yes and yours is, is just yeah. first strike. And mine works pretty well. Yeah, see, I started taking gabapentin because... Um... Look at a bunch <laughs> of drugs. <laughs> I know. Mine are right? I don't take God. any drugs. I take nothing. Well, well the gabapentin, I guess it, the, originally it's meant for seizures, and they started using it as an off-label to treat nerve pain. Gabapentin um, is, yeah, good for nerve kind of stuff. And also they use it to treat migraines. And I don't get, I don't really get migraines. I'd get stress headaches because I was so tense all yeah. the time in my muscles See, I and I thought nerves. mine were stress headaches, and they said they're migraines. Stress headaches are, they're Yours more are in the st- back of but the But, I mean, head. you can still get migraines from stress. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and I food, mean, apparently. Yeah, and I don't. Smell. I don't get. I don't get nearly the amount of headaches I used yeah. to. And um, so you take it all the time. Yeah, it's a preventative thing. Okay. So you just take it daily, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's not that expensive, at all. So, and you know, they just they have you sometimes. They also use it for diabetic nerve pain. Uh, a lot of people who have the pain oh, yeah. in their yeah. feet yeah. and yeah. in their hands. It reduces yeah. the action potential of pretty much all nerves. So, any sort of nerve pain you're going to have is going to go You just down. want recreational weed. Yeah, come on, let's go. I don't go. think that that would Edibles, help migraines. No, it does. See, Andy it doesn't. Does? Yeah, it mm-hmm. helps out with migraines a lot, I've oh, been yeah. told. 
Oh. Allegedly, Kenny doesn't believe this, but since for the last four years, I have nightmares every night, except for I didn't have one about a week and a half ago. I have every night I have. Did nightmares. you have an edible about a week and a half ago? No. Ooh, Maybe. I did. Oh, and I might have had something <laughs> oh, to do with it. You know, if I'm I could just say. They wake you out of your sleep nightmares. Oh like, yeah. What do you mean by? Yeah, it? they do. They wake me up. Like every every the whole world is collapsing in my in my every night. I get it every night, and I'm really getting tired of it. Mm, I will tell you. Constant panic and freaking out around you. I would. So you're guess. dealing with a PTSD. Kind of. no, there's yeah. no doubt. I definitely have PTSD. Let's. I, I'm gonna. No t- we'll talk off there. There's. I think it's called the DMR or DM. It's an eye movement that they do that actually helps relieve PTSD and allows really? people to get over. Yeah, it's it's supposed to be really phenomenal. And I thought you were gonna hook it. me up with some edibles. That would have been much better. Well, we'll do the edibles <laughs> and then we'll look at the little light on the screen together. And you're right, Dave. It's not bothering me at all. <laughs> it's not bothering me at all because I'm high. But I don't get. Uh, when we were in Vegas, I got mm-hmm. some some edibles. And uh, it's only 10 milligrams. It's the lowest dosage. Did you have nightmares that night? Nope. Or you don't remember them. We don't care about them. So they are all, you think they're all PTSD? It sounds like you're dealing with a form of PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's any. I've had a rather. uh, Is it the high ups in every dream from uh, KQ coming in and showing you the numbers? (laughs) No. Dave Ryan's up. Oh, no. That's. That's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, if he wasn't such a prick, I wouldn't say things like that. But he is. Oh, he's a, just a pain in the ass. Um, but in any case, well, I can let you know other people in the business that are. Now, it's just one of those guys that's very nice to your face, but then behind your back, it's you're the that. worst human being that's on earth. That's a Minnesota like, thing. Grow up, you little troll. Anyway. Woo. Oh. I pulled back the band-aid of love. Yeah. Nah, yeah. you know. The, oh. Yeah, there's there well, I'll get you the information on it, but there's some there's some practitioners. And actually I'm thinking about looking in it and becoming a licensed practitioner of it because I think it can help a lot of people. Of a geese? lot of people dealing with the No, of uh the this DM Oh, DM, the other thing. It's like DMDR or something like that. It's a rapid eye movement that Oh yeah. that yeah. alleviates uh PTSD and it's drug free, Alex. So it's good stuff. Drug free, hey, Alex. Yep. EMDR. EMDR. That's EMDR. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, I what's movement. It saying, Andy? That's basically done it. right. Yeah. <laughs> eye movement done right. Uh, I'm Dave Schrader for eye movement done right. Eye movement you might desensitization and reprocessing. Desensitization and reprocessing. And th- does it work? They, they they like it. Um, it's pretty new, so they're still you know. I think it's been around for about the last decade, studies. but it's not as... That's pretty well, new for a medicine. Right. right. Yeah. They, take, they take forever to fi- finish studying medicine. Well, this isn't a medicine. This is just a... Well, you know, yeah, any medical... Right. The WHO, you know, they want yeah. They've been... Uh, the first one was in 2013, so they're still <coughs> going at it. All right. We'll be right back for hour two. Part two. Tom Bernard Show. Hi, this is Tom. If you spend any time at the lake, you can relate to the pure joy of hanging out on the dock. You, family, friends, and the calm of the water. If this sounds like heaven, you're going to want a flow dock. Flow docks are rock solid with double bracing to eliminate side-to-side sway. And get this, you could install, level, and remove your flow dock without even getting into the water. You see, Flo's passion to invent a better way to make life easier comes through in every product they make right down to flow boat lifts that are quieter, faster, and effortless to install and use. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Flow is about making things easy, meaning you have more time to enjoy being at the lake. Isn't that why you go there in the first place? See for yourself why they say they've been perfecting leisure time since 1983. Call or visit Flow's newest dealer in Chanhassen. Lakeshore Equipment, 952-474-DOC, or lakeshoreequipment.com, of course. Flow docks and lifts, a better way. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan, and now you can find out how to have success losing weight at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth, just like me, at their free informational dinner on Monday, June 18th, 6 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth. Those unwanted pounds will melt away really, really fast. I've lost about 50 pounds now at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth after being educated on clean eating, finding out what foods my body prefers, and I now know the foods that are weight gain triggers. As I've said over and over again, the Nutramost weight loss plan is so easy, and they guarantee that you'll lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. 
Call now to register for the Nutramost Twin Cities and Plymouth Dinner on June 18th. To register, call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I like it. I like it. She's figuring it out. Uh, and by the way, I don't take it to get a high. I take indica, which is uh, sativa is the one that gets you high. Indica, I suppose, and if you took enough of it, would get you high. But uh, I only take 10 milligrams, and I sleep very well. But oh, by just, the way, I'm not that kind of pothead. Right. <laughs> well, no, I'm not like, you know. like drinking near beer. What's the use? So I can still pee by every 15 minutes and uh, <laughs> yeah, bloat exactly. and have bad breath, and I don't get drunk. <laughs> Sign me In, up. Indeed, that's exactly right. But, uh, yeah, so I don't. I don't take it to get high. I just take it to sleep. But I might, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll start taking it to get high. I might feel better about life. What do you think? It sounds healthy. I see a road trip in our future now. <laughs> We're taking a road, road, trip. <laughs> road trip. I do. I go to the chiropractor. Mm-hmm. I get body work done and mm-hmm. I meditate and do acupuncture. And I am drug free and I sleep yeah. like a you baby. You know what? You don't probably have the stress in your life that I do, though. I'm taking care of a toddler, and I'm nine months pregnant, so it's not like I'm no, I'm not fancy you're, free. I'm not saying you're stress-free, but <clears throat> I deal with psychopaths. Well, but I'm just saying. Listen to Tim. Tim's laughing because he knows exactly what I'm talking about. So the people in radio. You know it's true. <laughs> oh, I, I'm telling you it's about, funny about it's true. half the people that I've worked with in radio are psychopaths. So. They got into the... Yeah, so... Dave so looks down. Two and a half. I'm not getting involved between a pregnant woman and a and the boss. I'm just gonna let the life happen. Yeah. I feel like you and mom have encountered more bad people than an average person. Oh, there's no doubt I would doubt agree about with it. that. But you know why that is? Fame. Because like attracts Tracks. like. <laughs> yes, that's it. No, unfortunately, when you're good people who try to do good things, yeah, more leeches are attracted to you no because you're putting out the light. No more. As yeah, soon as we started doing nice help, things for people, help. when you and I met, we started doing nice things. It, they, they all came out of the woodwork. Yeah, if it someone comes to you with an investment opportunity that's like, oh, we can make money and help people, no. Don't, yeah, do don't, don't ever do that. Ever don't do ever do that. He is lying to you. By the way, I've got this great business idea on no. how to stop people from having business ideas. <laughs> I'd like to talk to you about Which investing. I kind of like that, actually. So yeah, that, you give people loans with like 40% interest? 82%. No business ideas you for go. you. That's right. Well, I guess we didn't lose our Sicilian. He's still <laughs> here. What? In the form of Dave Schrager. Moline uh. <laughs> is gone, but we still got the 40%, 80% loans. So in any case, what are you doing? Trying to get my wedding ring off. Wow. Oh, thanks. That's great news See what for me. Throw it, throw it out the window. Throw it out the window. And never look back. And never look back. Hey, I had a wonderful time enjoying a movie last night and then dozing off for the last 15, I mean, 20 minutes. I mean, full out mouth open snore. Yeah, of course. It was ridiculous. I was like, why am I not hey, having this on video? Yes, Tim. Tom was asking for a movie you want. It's, you, you should see. I, I, there's a new one called Winchester. <laughs> yeah, it's brand new. Especially the last, last 20 minutes. As he's watching it, he's, I'm like, so you've seen this? He's like, I think I've seen it. No, I have not seen this. No, maybe I have seen it. Well, no, seen, I have not seen this. They put out a bunch of different trailers on that movie. A bunch like, of different there trailers. There were a lot of trailers. A lot yeah. of trailers, so yeah. I did see lots of it, but yeah. I never saw the whole movie. Even I saw many trailers for it. Yeah. See, there yeah, you go. they had a lot of promotion, but people just didn't like it, I guess. Well, well, how much did it? it didn't well, make people much. liked it, but but it just was a bomb. Well, well, it, I don't know. No, well, its budget was three point five, and it made thirty eight. So, oh, so that's pretty good. No, Winchester ROI was, a, was very high. Winchester was only three and a half million to make. I know that's surprising. It seemed like it had a lot of special effects. Well, it only had you know, one. All the house stuff? Mm-hmm. It only had one like celebrity, and that was Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren. And oh, that's true. One set. So yeah. There's only one set for the whole uh, the, thing. A lot, probably half of every movie's budget goes towards celebrities. Yes. That's a fact. I mean, oh, you're paying yeah. Robert Downey yeah, Jr. $50 million right to talk in front of a green screen. It's like, That's how true. is he worth that? Yeah. It is amazing. Well, the, what, the Expendables? Bruce Willis, I think, wanted $4 million for like a two-minute scene. Yeah, day, day oh and a half's God. worth of filming. Day and a half's worth of filming. And Stallone what? tried to talk him down and wouldn't do it. He hired Harrison Ford. <laughs> That's just like so piggish. Yeah. 
It's Bruce Willis. But we're supposed to worship these people. He's no. an interesting guy. Well, like I said before, Bruce Willis, I mean, you know, to some people he's worth the headache. Mm. But he is notorious for being a prick on, on set. But and then you have to look at... Kevin Smith has a great story about yeah, how yeah. he... he does. He, he hated Bruce Willis. He, he, it was like the biggest mistake of his life having him for that... Um, there was a movie he did with Tracy Morgan was the other guy. Tracy said was a dream, but Bruce Willis was a nightmare, apparently. Hmm. And always has been, to tell you the truth. Ever since, you know, that was the number one show on TV when the KQ Morning Show started, it was Moonlighting. Oh, that's... The number oh, one show. Yeah, that was a good this show. This is right. I have a, a problem, too, with this. You know, I, it's easy to jump on the bandwagon of these guys are jerks and they're yeah. controlling. But the fact is, if you know what you want... Mm-hmm. Are you really a jerk because you stand up for it? Like when he's no, in the, when he's in the Die Hard franchises, yeah. and people have tried to do it. He goes, "No, we're not going to do that." And like, I wrote the movie, and he goes, "I'm John McClane. Yeah. I'm telling you, this isn't what he'd do." Now right. everybody's like, "Oh, what a pompous jerk!" Well, right. No, is he or is he the character that he's been for thirty years? And should we kind of maybe understand what's made it successful? Is this this method? And yeah. you know, I think that there's sometimes you look at some of these shows, and it's real easy to attack. A, a powerful celebrity, which and people love to do anyway. What do we well, really know if if he stepped up and he, said, he's "I a want"? Jerk to interviewers too. I mean, this guy all the time. Right. He's just making life hell for people. No, that's not good. Mm. No. Catherine didn't even look at me when you said that. Yeah, that's something know. new. I just think I don't that know what I'm thinking. When you look at when you look at the movies like The Expendables, <laughs> yes, he signed on for the first two. They want him back for the third. I know Stallone's making big bank on the back yes. end, and that yep. the movie is continually bringing in more money. It was a surprise yep. hit. Yep. So is it really so bad for for Willis to step up and go, "Hey, I'd like four million now." No, I understand that. And then, well, he's a bad but what guy. if everybody did that though? That's the problem. I but, mean, but you have to ask. If you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah, right. You well, don't ask, you don't get. get. I never saw it. Was it the, the, the Expendables a good movie? Yeah, the series is a fun movie. Yeah. Series. It's it's a I great nod. It. They do silly stuff. They have fun with it, and and it's still a good action adventure flick. But that's I don't know. Where do you stand on the Expendables franchise, Tim? Um, well, you know, the, I think the third one, which did the least amount of business, was really good, right? And really funny. And and again, Arnold mocking himself with the get to the chopper line. Get and, to the you know, chopper. I mean, they know. There, as I, I, I talk about this often with, with um, uh, The Rock, I mean, there are times uh, where Vin Diesel, he, he, takes, he plays it serious, but right. The Rock knows he's, you know, he's in on a joke. Everybody in The Expendables, are, they're in on the joke, and that's why it's fun, and they're fun movies to watch. And they're actually going to do a fourth Expendables now, oh, even God. though the third one uh, didn't do much bank, as they say. Bank. They just said. <laughs> bank. bank. It stuck in my brain, so I threw it out there. Yeah, but what's um, not as much bad? Yeah, they're going to do another one. Yeah. Whether Willis is part of it or not, I don't know, but Sly is going to do it for sure. It is fun, the tongue-in-cheek comment. Like when they introduce, in the second movie, they introduce um, uh, Chuck Norris. And they're like, oh, yeah. I thought you died. Didn't you get bit by a rattlesnake? And he goes, yeah, and the rattlesnake took two days to die or something like that. So he's throwing one of his own <laughs> Chuck Norris jokes back right, at it. Right, right. And, and, and in that movie, there's... Uh, Schwarzenegger and um, Willis are kind of hiding behind a counter, and uh, Schwarzenegger goes to say his famous "I'll be back," and he, like grabs his gun and he's going to go take care of it. And Bruce Willis goes, "You stay here, I'll be back." <laughs> and then as he walks away, Schwarzenegger looks at him and goes, "Yippee kaye, mother!" <laughs> so it's, it was a funny little. That's they really, they played I off like the, the whole kid. They understood what they had. Yep. They played off of yep. it and they made it a really fun series. I do like that. Yeah, that is a lot and, and it is good for that whole deal. I tell you one thing. I have a friend named you know, Alan Hamilton who's a hell of an actor. You know, Tim, you know Alan Hamilton? I, you know, damn I, good I, actor. I, I can't picture him. No, it's funny. I, yeah, I'll have to look him up. His real name is Alan Bates, but he couldn't use his own real name because there already was an Alan Bates, an English actor. But Alan Hamilton hmm. told me he loved working with Chuck Norris. He said it was like being a little kid again. Because you'd be shooting scenes and Chuck would go, okay, here's what you're going to do, man. Like, you come around a corner and then I'll jump kick you. And then he said it was like being a little boy again, play, playing cowboys and Indians, you know, what it was called then. So we'll just say playing cowboys. But he loved working with Chuck Norris because it was just, he was so excited to shoot these scenes, you know. Well, there was that movie Lone Wolf McQuaid with yeah, him. Yeah, Lone Wolf McQuaid. When he had David Carradine in there. Yeah, oh, David And Carradine, Carradine the, the legend of the story is that Carradine would actually hit people. 
and he was very pompous. He was a jerk. Really? And, and they were complaining. The stunt guys were like, he's he's hitting. I mean, he's hitting hard. <laughs> and so so Chuck Norris went over to him, and he said, hey, you know, you got to remember, these guys are getting paid to do this, but, you know, you've got to be, we still have to pull our punches. And he goes, maybe that's how you do your crap movies. But I, you know, then he goes, well, I'm just going to say this one time. You're going to play nice or I'm going to hit you back. Ooh. And then in, in the next scene they filmed, he hit Norris hard and Norris kicked the living hell out of him. Really? Yeah. And I that's part of the that. legend of the whole deal. And I love he, it. He unleashed. I mean, you don't go against Chuck Norris. In Not his own against movie. Chuck Norris. He's still so. got dark hair and he's like 95 years old. So what does that tell you? How old is he? Who Chuck He's got to be 70 something. 70 something. Oh, definitely. 78. Wow. Wonderful. But he does come off just as well, a, a I, genuinely I nice guy. I saw a story today about another guy that isn't aging so well. Look it up, Hollywood Reporter. Jet Li has some sort of oh, deal yeah. going. Yeah. Holy and crap, yeah. a guy took a picture with him. It's ama- He's 55, but he looks 75. <sighs> he looks, and, yeah, uh, really bad. That, maybe that's just the lighting, though. I don't know. Oh, wait, no, there's another picture of him. Let's call Ralph Basham. Basham can fix that for you. Oh, yeah, get Ralph out there with the silicone valve. I've really liked, you know, they, they just brought, uh, I think it was called The Foreigner. Um, oh, yeah. Jackie Chan yep. came back. Jackie, Jackie Chan, Chan, yeah. And he's done, I think he's really a great little actor. And the fact that you realize he's been around a lot longer than any of us give oh, credit God, for. Yeah. He was he was like in a bunch of the Bruce Lee movies. Mm-hmm. And then went on and did his own successful stuff. Then he did, remember in the... Um, Cannonball Run movies. Yes. He was the Bruce Lee character. Yep. Yep. And then, uh, and you didn't even realize this until he really kind of hit with Rumble in the Bronx in the 80s. And that was when his, his career really jumped. And then to go off, I, I think the guy's amazing in what he's been able to do. And I, he's so funny about it all. I just love the fact that in Rumble in the Bronx, there are mountains in the Bronx. Because <laughs> yeah. they shot it in Vancouver. Oh my God. So, so you go into the Bronx, <laughs> there are mountains in the background. I'm like, what? See, I never got into the the karate movies. All my buddies yeah. were super into that in the 70s yeah, and 80s, but I, when I went to see Rumble in the Bronx, he was like watching a ballet dancer yep. move. He was yeah. very good. He was, he was so unbelievable. Like super, super nice apparently. Too. Yeah. I remember when uh, when Tony Lee used to do Talk with Talk. Oh, yeah. That he used was to play funny. an Asian character on the show and he would always do, I want to see Rumble in Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> now you could not do that anymore. Oh, no. no, they told him years ago, you need to stop doing that. Yeah. He was really good at it. Tony Lee's a very talented guy. Really talented. Yeah, there was a big uh, cultural appropriation hoopla on social media because J-Lo wore a dragon dress to some... Dragon dress. Yeah, dragon dress too. Oh, so that's cultural appropriation. Well, there are, people are like you getting know. really tired of this because you know just because you yeah. wear uh, something that has a nod to another culture doesn't mean that you're. Well, that, that news doesn't make it wrong. That news blew up about that girl for prom who went to a thrift store and found an oh, uh, yeah. authentic Japanese yep. type of dress, mm-hmm. and she thought it was beautiful and she wore it and oh yep she did all, oh, and then yep. she did one silly little pose in all the pictures and the. That culture just jumped on her, and that you're, and she goes, "I'm not besmirching your culture. I bought this just because I think it's gorgeous and it's a great nod right. to your culture." Right. And they just went after yep, her. She, she's unapologetic for it. Right. She's like, "I'm sorry, you're offended. That was not my intention, but I'm not sor- sorry. I wore the dress. I think it's beautiful." Right. So not well, really, like yeah. Like Tom said this morning, social media is ruining the world. It is. It's ruining the world. It's got to stop. I think it's just exposing how bad the world is. God, I hope not. I hope we're not really that bad. So if a Japanese businessman wears a three-piece suit to a meeting... Cultural appropriation. No, no one cares about that. stole it from England. Is that... Is that a problem? Is no. He, no. I mean, why is it it's only... It's only a problem when white well, people... Well, no, but it's... It. If we... If yeah. the, what they're saying is this was like a specific type of dress... That was this way, right? It's everybody wants to be offended over everything. Yes, they do, and, exactly. and they got to find a reason. And yeah, what's funny do. is when you watch the culture, it's like when all of the the hubbub was coming up about women posing naked in magazines. Yes, and I thought it was I thought it was really funny, and I know it's going to sound like a sexist deal, but when these women were attacking, you're you're objectifying us. You're this, and the the couple of models came forward and mm. said. Are you saying this because you're so fat and unattractive that nobody wants to see you naked? Oh, that's, that's, see, that's the problem right there. And the response is the problem. But, yeah. but in a sense, what they're saying is, why is it the people that are the... 
yeah, you're right. You would never. And they're saying, I would never post. Well, that's because you're fat and unattractive oh, and you wouldn't yes. make the money. Not but then okay why should you, say. why is it objectifying if this is something that I'm doing with my body and I'm strong enough as a it's woman business, that yeah. this is my business yeah, to propagate and move forward? And it's always the people that are the biggest volume against it are the ones that, you know, shouldn't it be the, the people that are choosing to make this modeling be the ones that say, yep. you know, this is degrading to me, but it's the only way I can make money. It's never that. It's always somebody from the outside uh -huh. taking shots. Just like all the people. I mean, how many how many people have you spoken to that have come into studio that are black and you ask, are you offended by this? And they're like, no, no, it's white people all, acting all of offended them. for black people. Yeah, we that's, true. Yeah, that's true. So it's just kind of the point. It's never always, care about that stuff. Right, it's it's always somebody people. else that's finding yeah. the need that I'm going to take oh, up right. your your cause for you mm -hmm. but i don't have a problem but you should because right. they shouldn't objectify you that way all right timmy have a magnificent day sir and we will talk to you on thursday on the on the queue on the queue with my solo review I like have it, a great man. week everybody you too Thanks. we'll be right Bye. back ladies and gentlemen eric pool our special guest up next tom bernard tom here for saber plumbing heating and air conditioning when you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Chris Lindahl's here talk about people wanting to sell their homes but uh, the problem is they don't know where they're gonna go that's right yeah the biggest challenge right now is you know you can sell your house and you can sell your house for more money with the Chris Lindahl team the issue is is where you're gonna go you know are you gonna move in with your parents your grandparents are you gonna have a hotel townhome for temporary housing or are you gonna move in with Tom well they're not gonna move in with me <laughs> they might move in with Chris though ladies and gentlemen that's K-R-I-S by the way we have to reach right out to him where are they gonna go yeah so we have a you don't have to move twice guarantee yeah, like where that. there's there's five steps that we take at the Chris Lindahl team where we put those things in your contract when we represent you so that you're protected so you don't move twice you're in control because you're the seller and when you find a property then you sell it's a wonderful thing so you've got the answer I have the answer. Here we go. <laughs> That's why they're America's number one REMAX results team. We'll give the first five callers a free copy of Chris's number one best-selling book, Sold, chrislindahl.com, or you can call 763-401-SOLD. Our guest ready. What? We're back, ladies and gentlemen. The roustabouts that move the show at dawn. Oh, I like it. I don't know it. why this song's coming the spotlights, up. The people, well, that's the what we're getting. Everybody knows it's true. Whatever works. It's fine. Do you need us to call Melina? <laughs> Why do I get another song queued up, but for some reason yeah. the other one plays? It's really nice, really nice, Melina. You stick around to train her in. No, you got, I got to go. I got to move to Brooklyn. The juice was running. Yeah, he's ready to go. Well, his brother already lives there, so he's yep. very excited to go live with it. He and his brother are going to live together. Let me know when Mr. Poole's ready to go. He is ready. Oh, he is ready I'm now. Ready. Nice. Mr. Poole, how are you? Eric Poole's with us. How are you today? Hello. Marvelous. How you doing, Tom? Doing very well. Thank you for asking. And you're doing well, I'm assuming. I am. Thank you for asking. You know, Eric, I tell you, Eric, how long have you been in the business? Uh, in which business? Writing? Writing uh, commercials and stuff like that. Oh, gosh, a long time, like almost 30 years. I wonder if you and I ever worked together. Uh, it's entirely possible. Yeah, <laughs> I was at the Fox Network for a long, long time. So, God, um, your name sounds very promos, but. Where did you, where did you, uh, did you ever work in New York or Chicago? Uh, I did work, well, I didn't work in Chicago. I, I, I worked, my first big boy job was in St. Louis, and, and we would use a lot of Chicago talent, but uh, I did not actually live in Chicago. Because your name sounds really familiar, and I, back in the day, um, we lived in New York, uh, did a lot of work in Chicago. Once in a while, I would, I would go out to L.A. to to do voiceover stuff, and it, your name just sounds really familiar. I was like, Eric Poole. Oh, God. I know Eric Poole. In a, in a good way or a bad? No, it's a good way. Okay. Tom, okay. shut up your horrible tongue. No, that's what I remember. Uh, excuse, <laughs> while I slip into, uh, excuse me while I slip into something more comfortable by Eric Poole in hardcover. It is available now. Eric has spent most of his adult life writing commercials for everything from McRibs to tampons. <laughs> he can talk to you about that and also about what it's like to come out, come out in any way. I want to hear about that. Yeah, I want to talk about all that stuff. <laughs> I will sit back and listen, Mr. Poole. What would you like to know? 
God. I would... What's your favorite episode of Family Guy? <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, you did work at the right place for that. My favorite episode of Family Guy was the $100 million he got for uh, for his shows at Fox. Oh, yeah. Not a bad life. It's not bad to be Seth MacFarlane. No, no not, not at all. And he'll he'll be the first person to tell you that, by the way. Not a <laughs> yeah, sure. he likes Can you blame him? Yeah. He, no, no, you cannot blame him. So, no. so uh, all about writing, writing commercial, well, McRibs, mm-hmm. that may have been where I worked with you, actually. Oh, that's entirely possible. That's, yeah, we did a lot of McDonald's work. A lot of McDonald's work. I, you know, the, I guarantee you that's why I worked with you is on McDonald's because I, I did the, well, most of the work I did at the very beginning was for the 1984 Olympics. But, oh, wow. But something bad happened, Eric, and I will tell you what that is, and then I want to hear your story in its entirety. <laughs> Catherine and I, my wife is here. It's a, This is a family show. There are two, two Hi, families Catherine. doing it. Um. So Catherine and I got married in 1984, and I had gone to Chicago to do a bunch of... Uh, Ted Bell was the guy at Leo Burnett at the time that did a lot of, uh, a lot of work with the oh, Olympics, yeah. 1984 Olympics. So I, I cut seven commercials to run during the Olympics. Catherine and I went on our honeymoon. We got married on July 7th, 1984. We went to Canada, and back then you could not fly from Minneapolis directly to Calgary. You had to go through uh, Salt Lake City, which was odd, but nonetheless, that's the way it was. So we're coming back from my honeymoon, and we're, I'm walking through Salt Lake City Airport, and the, the, all the newspaper boxes used to be lined up in the uh, concourses. And it, something just caught my eye. I was like, this is about the 15th time I've seen that same headline. And I looked over. The Olympics uh, had uh, were about to begin, I believe, and... Uh, it was when a guy went into McDonald's in, in uh, oh, yeah. was it San Ysidro and killed 27 mm-hmm. people or something oh, like that. Oh, right. So, yeah. so guess whose commercials didn't run, Eric? <laughs> oh, you're kidding me. Yeah, they couldn't run any McDonald's commercials during the Olympics that year because it was just... Well, they, oh, did, yeah. run a, they did run a few, but not... not uh, it was unbelievable. It was yeah, they tore that down. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. They, tore down, they tore down that McDonald's, as a matter of fact, in San Ysidro. But in any Good case... Time. Yeah, good times, Eric. It's nothing but good times. <laughs> I, I don't think I ever did a tampon commercial with you, though. That was I don't think I ever did. Tampon. Oh, what a shame. What a shame, yeah. I did love You would have been a perfect spokesperson. <laughs> yeah, I did. Put this tampon in right now. Um, <laughs> what? My daughter just I looked at me like I was that. sick. No, I can't look Can at you. Can you blame her? Yeah. No, yeah, I cannot. Eric, I want, to hear about, I want to hear about how you got started. I want to hear everything from, from uh, you know, uh, writing commercials from McRibs to tampons. You can talk about coming out. and it's, You know, coming out is an interesting thing in America right now. It's kind of fascinating that in 2018 people still have to, I don't have to, I guess, but people still do come out. Are, are there still a lot of people that are concerned about uh, what you do with your genitalia? Apparently, and it depends where you live. You Why? know what I mean? It's like, uh, you know, if you live in L.A., New York, Chicago, the big cities, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of a non-issue, depending on your family still. You know, I mean, there are a lot of religious families, even in the big cities, that are, yeah. you know, have an issue with it. Uh, it's, you know, it's so much of it is centered around religion, really. But yeah. um, it, but if you're in the South or places like that, I mean, it's still a big whopping deal. Mm. Is it know? really? Which is sad, yeah. It's very sad, Eric, and I'll tell you this. I, I, um, I was the very first media person in the United States of America, and it was about 15, 16, 17 years ago, I came out and supported uh, gay marriage. Oh, and wow. I, and I did you. The, oh, yeah, That was I, early on. Boy, you were a, a trailblazer then. You know what's interesting about that, though, Eric? There are people to this day who think I'm a homophobe because I treat everybody the same. And oh, that, I... Yeah, I completely agree. Equal yep. opportunity offender. That's that's all. It's all in fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, and 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 by the way, in real life, I don't care about your orientation or your gender or your skin color or I don't care about. I don't. Wh- why would I possibly care about any of that stuff? But yet I'm accused because I treat. There are people who believe if you treat everybody the same, that you're harming some people in some ways. It's like well, yeah. no. Uh, right. I just so how. Did you come out to your family first, Eric? No, I did not, actually, because um, we were raised strict. <laughs> when you're raised strict no. Baptist, that's not your first oh, call. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. That's... I came out you know, to 
to Fred. Well, actually, the way I came out was sort of not my idea. Um, I, I was one of those people, you know, this is the 80s, so I was one of those people who oh, yeah. would take a couple of steps out and run back in and slam the door, you know, the closet. <laughs> it's, it, and, and, you know, uh, so during one of those periods when I was, the door was slammed, I was dating this girl, and I, I, I absolutely adored her. She was just fantastic. And, mm-hmm. and for Christmas one year, I gave her this ring, and I'd saved up for it. It was really expensive. It was this marquee-shaped ruby with stunning pave cubic zirconias around it and uh um and i gave it to her as a christmas present and she took it as an engagement ring oh. as did her mother Ooh. and all of a sudden oh. i was on this runaway freight train oh. to the altar <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so Whoops. i did not handle this well as you might imagine and um and think of pro- you know the worst possible ways you could handle it and that's probably about what you're going to read and um, anyway, it, it, it did not end well, but, you know, of course, years later, I wrote her a long letter of apology and stuff, oh, but it was, uh, you know, it, 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 nothing panics you or nothing makes you face up to what you really are, like, you know, uh, getting ready to stand, in, you know, at the altar, so. <laughs> I don't know, who wrote your bio? Did you write your own bio? Yeah. In 1977, Eric Poole is a talented high school trumpet player with one working ear, the height-to-weight ratio of a hat rack. <laughs> oh, actually, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I thought you meant my actual, like, author bio. Oh, um, no, see. actually, that was that was written by the publisher. Very funny. It was very... <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I was amazed. That's a very funny line, absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, now, what age are, are you when you decide, you know what, I'm just going to come out? You, you said you came out to, to, to other, other guys first. To friends, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had I had um, developed a friendship, a close friendship with a guy that I was in, in the theater with. Imagine that. And, uh, <laughs> See, you're, he, no, he you're was, a homophobe. He was, he was Eric. larger than life. I always say he was like a, liber- a combination of, of like Liberace and Rosalind Russell. You know, oh, all God. big hair and snappy one-liners. You know, <laughs> um, but he yeah, was he was great, and it, he he helps me a lot. And, and you know, you have to have somebody like that in your corner when you're trying to to make this because doing it alone is a little terrifying. You know. Um, and yeah, so yeah. during all this with the, with the the impending marriage kind of stuff going on, I was talking to him and he's going, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta do something about this before they start taking measurements for the straitjacket. You know, something's <laughs> gotta, yeah. gotta happen here before yep. you make the biggest mistake of your life, you know? So, um, uh, I was in my early twenties when all this happened and, you know, that, which, which ironically by today's standards really seems late, but you know, yeah, for the 80s, I suppose. it wasn't. <laughs> I suppose that's true. So you, so you were talking about mid eighties, some, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. All right, because yeah, that's that's really funny. But very quick story. Sorry to tell you, I'm gonna have to have you back on again, Eric, because there are a lot of stories <laughs> I want to tell you. I love stories. But tell me a story. I used to do uh, old style beer. There's a wonderful guy. Uh, he was a gay man, uh, and he was, you know, very open about uh, about his. Uh, his life, and it was great. And Catherine and I went to dinner with him one night, and he had a few drinks and started telling this story about growing up in, was it, North Dakota, right, Ken? I think so. Uh, you know, a, a gay kid in North Dakota, and, you know, nothing against North Dakota, but probably not the... Not back then. Not the back then. But he, no. ta- he told this story about he found this magnificent fabric that he just loved, and he bought it, and he made himself a shirt, and he put special wooden buttons on the shirt, and he just thought this was the greatest shirt of all time, and he's, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years old, something like that. And they go, the circus comes to town, and so he wants to wear his brand-new shirt that he made himself, and he's just so proud of it, and he goes with a couple of friends, and he said, you would not believe this. And I will not imitate his voice, Eric, because some people find that really annoying. But he said, you would not believe what happened, Catherine. I'm in my new wonderful shirt, the fabric which only I knew about, and I made this shirt, and it was a wonderful shirt. And we're walking past the hoochie-coochie dancers at the circus, at the state fair, whatever it was. And one of the hoochie-coochie dancers has a dress made of the exact same <laughs> that fabric. Same fabric. Oh, my God. <laughs> hey, hoochie-coochie girls know how to live, right? Oh, it's so wonderful. <laughs> Needless to say, I threw the shirt Foreshadowing away. things to come. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, okay, so now you're, you're, you're in your early 20s when you came out? Yeah. Okay, so you're in your early 20s. You come out in mid-80s, and you're living in St. Louis at the time? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Did you go to Tony's ever you know, and have dinner? Because I love that place. Oh, oh, that was a big deal. Yeah. Oh, Tony's still to this day. Because it was so expensive and so snotty. You know? <laughs> exactly. Uh, My girlfriend and I went there when I was like in high school, oh, a, a, a teenage date. You know, and of course we had to wait like an hour and a half for a table because sure. you know who are we? They don't. They, they could have given a shit. 
Yeah, no, I understand. Absolutely. Did the guy walk up the stairs backwards when you went up to your table? Yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> I'm telling you. Okay, you so, know he's counting in his mind. Yes, yeah, so, oh, absolutely he's counting in his mind while he's looking at you because he doesn't want to turn his back to you. Yeah. Um, so how long before your family found out? Uh, you know, ironically, uh, I didn't um, – a couple of years after this, I moved to – uh, to LA. Oh, okay. And this, this book ends actually when I'm about to leave to move to LA for a Ooh. new life. And, and I didn't come out to them until after I got to LA. I, my, my grandmother hooked me up with my, um, my second cousin who I'd never met, who was 10 years older than me. And, um, she said, Oh, I think you guys would like each other. Ironically, both gay. Um, she, she had no <laughs> idea about either one of us, but uh, right. anyway, he right. was a hoot and a holler. I mean, he was just fantastic. He, he later died of cancer, but, oh. um, anyway, but he uh, he was really fun. He said, "I said I've got to come out to my parents." And he's like, um, "He's like, here's what you do: you write him a long letter because he knew I was too too terrified to actually do it in person. Sure. You know, go back to St. Louis and do it." So he said, "Write them a long letter. Tell them how you feel." And there's this great book called "Loving Someone Gay." Buy the book, and you know, send the letter, and then like three days later, you know, send the book. So that's what I did. Guess which got there first. Oh, oh no. the book shows up with nothing on oh, it but a post that says, "Hope this helps." Oh. Three days after that, the letter finally shows up. So I didn't hear from him for a little while. That's fantastic. I love that. Oh. Yeah. Bad so, luck. So how did they did they ever come around? Did they 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 did they, they did. did you know Good. and that's the thing Good. it's like. And that's what a lot of gay kids do to themselves is they, they yeah. torture themselves with, with the reactions that they imagine are going to happen. And my parents, for all their Baptist stuff and, and all that, and for my mom, my mom was like this crazy control freak, and, and I love her to death, but she, she was a, a holy handful when we were growing up. That's what my first, first memoir is about, because uh, um, she was this OCD, clean freak, control freak. You know. yeah. Anyway, um, so I really imagined the worst when I came out, but uh, they, they they took them some time, you know, and they will never be marchers in the uh, P flag contingent, you know, the sure. parents and friends of sure. lesbians and gays. Yeah, I know um, what P flag but, but, is, but Eric. they're fantastic. I'm sorry. <laughs> I said I know what P flag is, Eric. Yeah, yeah, okay, good for your listeners. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, uh, you know, but they turned out to be fantastic. They they could not have been more loving and embracing, and you know, but That's you just good. you never know how those things are going to go. Well, I've you know, being in the voiceover business, being in radio, uh, my agents were all gay men, uh, a lot of gay writers. But so, I mean, my whole professional career, I've known gay men, and it did not work out so well for a lot of them. It's really sad. Yeah. Really yeah. sad. Yeah, um, there were, there's a lot of disowning that goes on. Yeah. I mean, even, even to this day, again, especially if you're talking about states where, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with people don't get exposed. You know what I mean? Yeah, like if you live yeah. in some, you know, east. You know what in 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 Alabama or whatever you're just not exposed to it. Is you that know? a B, uh, East BF? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Eric, is there any? What, what what do you have on your calendar today? I'm sorry. Say that again. What do you have on your calendar today? Oh, I am uh, producing some spots for Fox. And what time do you have to do that? Oh, all day. <laughs> well, because I was going to ask you in eight minutes, would you mind calling back so we talk to you a little bit more? Because they're Oh, sure. We, yeah, can, we just have to take a break, but if you could call back in eight minutes, I'd love to talk to you more about this. I will call back. Thank you, Eric. Eric Poole, okay. ladies and gentlemen, excuse me while I slip into something, someone more comfortable. <laughs> I said that something the first time, too. Excuse me while I slip into someone more comfortable. We'll be back more with Eric Poole uh, on Hour 3, Tom Bernard Show.